Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We've just a week to go now before we're live on stage with the new show, Cocaine Cowboys. Final tickets on sale for Limerick, Cork and Dublin from mcd.ie, our venues. They had once been arrested in connection with a, a, almost a million euro worth of cannabis that was seized out of property in, in Louth in 2019. Like anybody, you're not going to take a picture of yourself at your worst moment. No. You know, you're going you're gonna to do your impression management, as the cyber psychologists call it. You're going to put your best foot forward and, you know, you've got to start finding your affidavits and providing the evidence that you got your assets uh, lawfully and legally. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. A stunning mansion in the County Louth countryside called the White House has been identified by the Criminal Assets Bureau in a proceeds of crime case against a Moldovan couple. Natalie and Edward Sheeper were arrested in 2019 after almost €1 million of drugs were found in a premises in County Louth. But despite spending time in custody, the charges against them were dropped. Now the glamorous couple will find themselves explaining where they got the money to buy the 3,400 square foot mansion they live in. Today, I'm talking to Eamon Dillon, who visited the vast property listed in the Proceeds of Crime case. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Eamon, in case you're going to be uh, accused of being a state agent, we'll just nip that one in the bud and there's a reason why you're going to describe this stunning mansion you stood outside in County Louth last week. Yes, this is a a four bedroom, I think 3,400 square feet of space with its double staircase surrounded by uh, um, a land eye hedge that gives it, you know, know, unenviable privacy up a a cul-de-sac, a tiny country lane, seven kilometres from Drogheda, close access to the motorway so you can you can be in Belfast in maybe 40, 50 minutes. You can be in Dublin in 30 minutes. So it's a, a very handy spot, lovely place. You know, it's well sought after. Um, houses in the area are going for, they're asking prices at the minute are about 600,000 for similar sized uh, properties. The last one that sold in this particular um, townland 
um, was back in 2018 and it went for 505,000, but I don't know exactly the size of that house. So this might certainly might command a little bit more if or when the Criminal Assets Bureau um, get their hands on it. Yeah, I was actually going to say, did you ever consider a career in a state agency? Um, no. I love snooping around <laughs> people's houses though, do you? I mean, I'd love to go in and have a look inside that house. So no, well, that's more of an Irish Times readers thing, isn't it? Wasn't it? the Irish Times always big in their, in their 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 property sections? You know that they contributed to the Celtic Tiger collapse. You know by whipping up people's demand. You know you could argue it's irresponsible journalism. You know compared to what we've done in the Sunday world, you certainly could. I I love though all those property shows and everything, and just yeah, seeing how the other half live. So is this house? I'm looking at the picture of it and those white pillars and big ornate gates and a nice little dog sitting looking at you. Um, he wasn't little, and he was very was loud. Oh, he was big. He he was a biggie. He looks like a spaniel. No, he's far from it. Um, I, I I asked someone to check, and they were coming up with different ideas what breed it was, but it's kind of one of those. Large herding dogs. Oh, right. Okay. Like, not an Anatolian, I need to but go to something similar. Clearly. Yeah. Um, no, so the gates are so big, is why the, the dog looks big. small. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So, is the house kind of like, is it classy looking or not? It's, it's, is it too ornate kind of thing? No, the house itself um, is, is pretty classy looking, looks lovely. Yeah. You know, Do you a, think it's yeah. a new build or? Well, we know. I know when it was built because we went into the planning file. So, right. I mean, originally it was it was it was I think two thousand and seven when it was built. A previous owner, and then the, the this couple Edward and Natalie Chiper, um, since bought it, and Edward would have put in another planning application for a garage to be added to the site along with the existing um, works that were already there. Mm-hmm. So they they didn't actually build it from scratch, but they they they've they've added to it. Bought and added, and is it? It's in its own grounds. You can you can go around the whole house. I always think that's a measure of your success when you can do that. That there yeah. isn't another gaff attached to you, or no, no it, it's it's on its own plot, yeah. and it's surrounded, as I said, like you know, by a very high Lelandi hedge, which is you know it towers over the house. Yeah, and then at the front, then you have this you know this glimpse of their their little wonderland inside the inside the hedge, and it's up a, I think there's about there's about six. Or seven houses on this cul-de-sac and they're all they're, they're all lovely homes you know yeah. they're all trophy homes where people have spent a lot of time and money um building their dream house you know i mean they're, they're some of them you know they're, they're very nice tastefully done so where is it and how do you kind of get there is it uh it's it's just outside Drogheda. it's about seven miles north um so the, the house is actually named the white house and it's in um it's in a townland called Tullyard bally McKenney, and okay. it's just north of of um uh, of Drogheda and it's it's a uh, you know it's it's off a side road <clears throat> down another side road and up a cul-de-sac yeah. and it's not actually on Google Earth so that's the level of privacy you're getting here so and did you uh did did you drive from like how long does it take to get into the into the town oh t- 10 minutes 10 minutes you know it's yeah. it's very so really short. well located yeah, yeah no Okay, so why are the Criminal Assets Bureau interested in this house and what led you really to the the gates of it? Well, I was led, I suppose, to the gates of the White House by the uh, Criminal Assets Bureau case that came up. Um, it was it was first mentioned uh, just late last year and it's against Edward and Natalie Chiper. Uh, and we, of course, we didn't know what it was about, um, you know, what property or, or assets had been seized by the Criminal Assets Bureau at this, you know, at that stage. And all we knew about them that they had once been arrested um, in connection with a, a, almost a million euro worth of cannabis that was seized out of property in the area in, in Louth in 2019. 
they were they were held in custody. Um, Natalie would have spent, I think, a couple of weeks in in the Doka Centre, and Edward um, would would have been in custody for a period as well. Mm. And there, there was hefty enough bail uh, at some of the bail hearings. There was there was independent charges of thirty thousand. Um, and and that kind of stuff, uh, but eventually then the charges against them were dropped. So there's no criminal charges against them. Right. But obviously the Criminal Assets Bureau feel that there's a case there to answer that there's unexplained wealth, um, and of course under the legislation it falls on the Chipers to explain where the money came from. Now we don't know whether the entire house is the target of of the the, the cab action, or whether it's refurbishments that have been done, mm-hmm. or whether it's you know items in the interior or or you know furnishings or whatever. And and there could be other assets for all we know. There could be other um, bits and pieces that were seized by by Gardaí who would have carried out a number of raids. So I mean it's it's at it's at what we'd call I think isn't it this it's the section three stage so they've gone through section two which is in camera you, you don't get to publish you know any any allegations that are made against anyone at that stage and then when it gets into section three then it's held in open court and that's basically the criminal assets bureau going to the high court asking can we have this this and this mm. in this case possibly the house or refurbishments you know related to it can we have this you know funded. Uh, by the proceeds of crime and declared the proceeds of crime. And once they get that, they can move on to the next stage, which is appointing a receiver with the power to sell it off. Um, and, and that's where they are, they are on this. Now, there was a bit of back and forth with their, their lawyers there um, last week. They, they are represented in court. They've made an appearance. You know, sometimes people don't fight these cases. You know, it's certainly been the case of, you know, very well-known criminals, the likes of Ross Browning. They just don't turn up. They don't bother. Mm. Um, in, in this case, the, the, the couple are fighting it. Um, and they mentioned, you know, that their their council mentioned that they were in talks now with CAB, which I think they, the CAB council reacted to quite, um, I suppose, sternly in a sense. And such a suggestion was actually misconceived and that they actually haven't received a replying affidavit, which is the first step. So to, to characterize it as being in talks with CAB mm. isn't, um, you know, it's not a negotiation, I think. You know, once it gets to this stage, it's very much... Um, you know, you got to start filing your affidavits and providing the evidence that you got your assets uh, lawfully and legally. So, do we know anything about the couple when they, uh, how long they've been living in Ireland, or if they've any businesses? Just going through public records, um, like Edward would have had a directorship of a, a decorating company for a while. Um, and it certainly looks like they're they're you know they're they're pre twenty fifteen, so they're definitely in Ireland for ten or twelve years at this stage. Um, Going through their social media, you know they, you know they they like to give an impression of enjoying a nice life, a nice lifestyle. I mean, they look like any kind of, you know, well-to-do young couple who are you know enjoying a couple of holiday, a couple of nice holidays, and like anybody, you're not going to take a picture of yourself at your worst moment. No. You know, you're gonna you're gonna do your impression management, as the cyber psychologists call it. You're going to put your best foot forward, and here we are living our best life. So there's a bit of that, and a bit of posing in front of other nice homes and nice cars. I mean, we've all had a joke, you know, where we've stopped at, you know, seen a, you know, a million dollar car somewhere and kind of stand beside and get your picture taken, pretend it's yours. I would still do that. So you you never know, (laughs) like what's in these pictures. So yeah, but they certainly give the impression that they're, 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 you know, living a life lifestyle. So essentially they were more than likely not on the Garda radar at all until this raid of 2019 at a premises in County Louth led to their arrest and for a period of time, they're put into custody. Now, obviously, anybody that is arrested in relation to an amount of drugs that big, mere million nearly, um, 
is going to be looked at by all units of the Gardaí because they obviously communicate with one another. And we know that the Drugs and Organised Crime Bureau uh, work closely with the Criminal Assets Bureau. They probably uh, were even in, in communication in advance of the raid that uh, resulted in the in the uh, seizure of those drugs. So basically, if the, the Drugs and Organised Crime Bureau see something that raises eyebrows, the likes of a house like this, perhaps, and a couple who are certainly at one point linked to the to this uh, this drug haul, they will alert their colleagues in the Criminal Assets Bureau. That's the way it works. I mean, I think all, all Garda units now at that level would kind of be aware of, you know, the so-called trappings of wealth. And if there's any kind of substantial display of cash or money that uh, it's worth, you know, it's worth noting or seizing and, and you know, sort it out afterwards. And it's certainly, even if they don't get a criminal conviction against a target, um, you know, in these raids, at the same time, then what they find, they can can be passed on to the Criminal Assets Bureau. And, you know, we've explained this before, how it works, that, you, you, you know, it's all based on these belief affidavits that the head of CAB will, will you know, it'll, it'll be the grounding affidavit um, saying that we believe, you know, this person is involved in serious crime doing this, that or the other and is associated with all these various people. Um, you know they haven't they haven't worked a day in their life, or they have a, a small business, but it couldn't possibly explain, you know, owning a, a two hundred thousand euro car, and you know spending a million quid or whatever, or five hundred thousand on a house on refurbishments or lots of nice holidays, and they'll use all this and they'll go through all this and they'll mm. go through every you know credit union account and they'll go through you know you know where everything came from and. You know, and people then can, you know, they put up their, if they can, they can put up a fight and they'll they'll return their own affidavit saying, well, look, you know, I won my money on a horse. But they'll go and they'll check all that out and they'll say, well, what bookie did you put it in? Mm. And, you know, and they'll interview the bookie. Where's the receipt? And, you know, and the, where's yeah. the receipt and where'd you get the money for the initial bet? And so, I mean, it goes on. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it can be a slow moving progress, which you've certainly seen with Mago Gately's case, you know, that it's, it's four years, I think, on the trot now. Mm. Um, but I mean, they, it's so forensic, you know, in terms of the accountancy and and say things like a surveyor for properties that it's it's tightly um, forensic and it's actually one of the areas where there uh, people now are getting free legal aid to to have their own forensic accounts um, appointed to help them with their case. Mm. It's interesting though that a lot of the criminal assets bureau those grounding affidavits you speak about can really hit the headlines because sometimes they will relate to somebody that hasn't any criminal convictions that we might as journalists know are involved in organised crime or we know specifically that they are who they are, but we don't have that court backing. I mean, I'm just thinking in the case of the Byrne Organised Crime Group, there was a line in the affidavit and I think it was actually because they had applied for free legal aid that the the um, the affidavits that went back from the states detailed exactly where Liam Byrne sat in the Kinnahan Organised Crime Group and for the first time named Daniel Kinnahan as the head of the murderous uh, Kinnahan Organised Crime Group. And I mean, I remember at that point, um, you know, the the judgments do go up publicly. The judgment then of Carmel Stewart, it was the, ju- the judge who was overseeing that case, eventually goes up on the public system. And I remember getting calls from journalists all over the place, BBC, everywhere, because they were trying to name Daniel Kinahan, but they had no backup as such. And this line that was in the Criminal Assets Bureau documents was gold. Yeah, I mean, it's I suppose to explain to people um, 
like certain things are covered by privilege and people like who watch the news be aware of things like doll privilege, that people can say things that they could be sued for on the street. Um, they can make all sorts of allegations and there's accusations that it can be sometimes abused. And so in, in the doll, you have doll privilege and it's, it's, it's to allow a democracy to function. And it's the same thing then um, in the courts that they have to get to the bottom of a case, whether it's a criminal case or, or a proceeds of crime case. Um, and so certain, you know, the reasons why somebody did something have to be aired. And so if, if somebody says something in court, it can be challenged and you can say, well, that's an outrageous statement. But the fact that the, the, the statement was originally made, we're allowed to report on. Yes. So obviously if, if you know, uh, somebody, somebody uh, makes a, an allegation about somebody else in, in a criminal court, and, you know, and it's kind of aired in court that, look, this is an unfounded allegation. And we, re if we report that allegation without saying yes. in the same court, in the same story that it was also judged to have been a completely unfounded allegation and therefore untrue. And, you know, you can't repeat it on its own. But when you get something, when you, when you have these, um, uh, you know, the, the published rulings by judges uh, and when they, when they accept, the High Court is accepting in the case of Daniel Kinnan that yes, he is the leader of a murderous uh, criminal cartel. Mm. And so, you know, that finally kind of, uh, you know, it, it takes the... You know, it, it takes the manacles off us in terms of being able to finally describe somebody, yeah. you know, what, what they are and who they are. And I mean, you know, and, and that's one of the thing about our defamation laws in this country. There's, it's, so, it's so difficult, like, you know, the idea that, you know, a serious criminal could sue newspapers, you know, or news organizations, you might, you know, people would laugh at. But that, that's the reality. Mm -hmm. and, and we still sometimes get, you know, kind of... Uh, you know, letters from people who, you know, who are saying that you've described me as being part of a gang and, and you're kind of going, well, you know, the first, our, our lawyer, the first thing is going to say, well, where'd you get this from? Yeah. And, 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 you and that's know, why and, it's and so... And you have an affidavit to say, well, exactly. he was named in the High Court. That's the end of the and matter. And it was accepted by a High Court judge that this is the case. That's the end of the matter. And yeah, it keeps us on the straight and narrow. So, yeah, so it will be interesting to see what comes out of the cab case against them and what activities the Criminal Assets Bureau believe they have been involved in. They don't usually go after people that aren't suspected of being involved in criminal ac activities to in a proceeds of crime case. So, um, you know, while they obviously never face charges in relation to the their arrests for the cannabis, um, there's some reason that the cab have... Yeah you know, are going after them. And sometimes it can be, people can be named in a cab case and they're, you know, relatively innocent. I mean, you know, there was one recently of John Coon and Cork and he, a brother and his mother were mentioned and they had no involvement in his criminal activities. But, you know, one of them drove a car that he had bought with criminal cash and or, or certainly the car was registered in his name and, mm. and the other, you know, a bank account was used and money flowed through it and, and you know, it, it was the criminal who had really had control over the assets, over the cash. Were they named as respondents in the case? They were named yeah. as respondents because officially the money in the account is theirs. Like if they walked into the bank and said, that's my money, the, the, the bank would have to accept it until, told, un, until they're told otherwise, like by a court order. It so, brings me back to the Ross Browning case because there was many respondents named Named in that, I mean, there could have been eleven. Yeah, it was, it was quite it. a number. A lot of members of the family and, yeah. and partners of members of family, and so on. And it was all to do with the tangled kind of web of cash and people living in various houses that were in certain names and all the rest of it. And that's why they get mentioned. And while we're on Coon, and we spoke about him in recent weeks on the podcast, he was the um, the the suspected drug dealer from Bandon, who had been. Um, 
named in a Criminal Assets Bureau case. And an interesting follow-up you had on that, which, you know, sort of brought me back, but actually when I thought about it, it made so much sense, that Kuhn is described in the CAB papers uh, as being an associate of Alan Buckley. Alan Buckley, as as you know, um, was the guy always described as the logistics man or the coordinator of the, the so-called uh, Munster Mafia, mm. who were a kind of a more senior group of, uh, I suppose, of drug dealers based in in, in Munster, Cork mostly, um, who were very successful and made a lot of money. Um, but Buckley would have been caught with five million euro worth of drugs. Um, well, it was part of a plot that were on, it was actually on a yacht, an Irish registered yacht off the coast of Morocco. Uh, and he, he did time. He was arrested, I think, in 2012 in Spain and, and did a bit of time on the back of that. So, yeah, so, I mean, like, uh, it, it, you know, he's been around a while. But he's been around so long, and that Cork Mafia, as we called them, were essentially the southern wing of George the Penguin Mitchell's criminal network. Um, and Alan Buckley was one of those that was understood to have been heavily involved with the Penguin way back when, 1990, whenever, when they were caught trying to develop the country's first ecstasy laboratory. Um, the Gardaí raided it before it went into production, but they were looking at making 100,000 e-tabs here on site in Ireland, not having to import anything, very entrepreneurial. Um, it was shortly before George Mitchell moved full-time to Amsterdam. Um, there's a mixture of reasons that have always been put out for that move, that he was, you know, coming under pressure from the IRA for um, for money, that he was the focus and members of his gang in Dublin, Thomas the Boxer Mullen and Derek Maradona Dunn had been the focus of a kind of a, a rejuvenated concerned parents against drugs. And they had been named in the dole by the late Tony Gregory TD. He moved away. But that Cork Mafia were very much the subject of Garda operations around the mid-90s. They became subject of the very early cases by the Criminal Assets Bureau and many members of the grouping, including Alan Buckley, went to the continent. Buckley went to Spain uh, where he was partnered up with a lady by the name of Lorna Bose Bastide who was um, from Cork somewhere, I remember calling down to her home because she was a very wealthy sort of a lady who had been married to a, a, a millionaire, very respectable family from Cork. And she had basically met up with Alan Buckley, who was somebody that, you know, she wouldn't have normally associated with whatsoever. And they seemed to have, um, you know, started a romantic relationship together. And she was actually on the yacht with him when he was busted with all that cannabis. I mean, it was an absolute enormous fall from grace from her, for her. But it just shows you no matter where these guys go, it's like their core business still remains within their hometown. Like, you know, we, we talk about Ireland being small markets for these guys and, you know, they've gone off to Spain, to Amsterdam. They're not interested in the Irish market. They bloody well are. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I suppose it's like any business person, <laughs> you know, they, yeah. they kind of, you always remember where you you made your your first bit of money and like, well, why why give it up when, you're, when you've got direct control all the way from Peru to the street? I mean, that's the best way to have it. So there's mm -hmm. no middleman taking money out. You're, you're getting paid at every step of the way. So it's certainly the most efficient. But I mean, yeah, I suppose Alan Buckley is a, a prime example of one of these guys, 
you know, that they could have probably done any business, but, you know, enjoyed the life of, you mm. know, being the international drug dealer, you know, they wanted to be the new Mr. Nice or whatever, <laughs> you know, as opposed to, you know, being a, you know, a murderous cartel killer and that they're kind of just happy-go-lucky, sort of swashbuckling, having a bit of crack, you know, and in, in, enjoying their cash. And mm. he certainly did seem to spend his money more than Kuhn did as well. Didn't seem to leave yeah. much for Cab to find lying around and, you know, went on all his, all his holidays. Um, but it, it just, it, I suppose the point, you know, the, you know, the, the idea that, you know, George, George Mitchell, the penguin is still in business. And I mean, and there was always the suspicion that he was just as every big as bit as Christy Kinnan Sr. And, and I'd believe that. And there's no, and there's no, um, it's, uh, and it's no coincidence that I think that, you know, the Criminal Access Bureau, like really had its origins in Cork, you know, with Barry Galvin, who, you know, was the state solicitor and could see these guys living it up and nobody could touch them. And you're thinking, you know, how can these guys be kind of fated and seen as being successful business people when he knew what they were really at? Mm. And so that, and, and to some extent, I suppose they're kind of, their enjoyment of flashing the cash kind of really screwed it up for everyone else. For sure. But I mean, he was a bit of a blast from the past, Alan Buckley, when I saw that, that he was he was an associate of Kuhn. And it just, as I say, it just makes sense that that Cork Mafia haven't, they may have gone away, but they haven't left. No. The region at all. Interesting. Right, well, look, we'll uh, wait to get more news on the chippers and the, the White House. And would you have been impressed enough to buy it or if it was up for sale would you, would well the best think? thing about it was there was a pub within walking distance okay so you, did, you should have that should have <laughs> first point to your sales pitch for god's sake um, no wonder you weren't employed as a estate agent okay I mean thanks a million also a pleasure Nicola you've been listening to Crime World a podcast from sundayworld.com produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me Nicola Talent research assistant is Claude Amini If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.